Indie Bound from Boilertown. The triple option is back this week. Going to talk a little bit about some Purdue sports here. And, of course, travel down to Indy. Got the Indians and Pacers. Starting off, though, Purdue baseball finished up their season this week and did not do it in impressive fashion, losing to Eastern Michigan in non-conference action early in the week, 22-2, and then getting swept by Iowa in, well, all three of the games were actually pretty close. The first two actually went into extra innings. And in the first one, an unusual sight. Uh, I don't think I've ever witnessed this in my life, but both starting pitchers went past the nine innings threshold. I believe the Iowa pitcher pitched something like nine and two thirds, and the Purdue pitcher pitched something like ten and a third. Not really related to Purdue baseball, but has anybody else seen that stat line before? I I don't think I've ever witnessed it. Seen somebody pitch more than nine innings? Yeah, a starting pitcher pitch more than nine innings. I think I've seen a game where Verlander pitched ten innings. I feel I, like it was for that. I know I've seen like it was. I think it was like a zero zero game, and it went into extras. And like one guy pitched the tenth, the other guy pitched like two thirds. That that's the only one that immediately comes to mind for me. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it before. I haven't watched one for sure, and I'm not aware of a stat line off the top of my head over the past few years. Pops, uh, it doesn't really happen anymore because of the advent of the bullpen. You're talking probably into 60s and 70s in Major League Baseball and probably even rare in college. Anyway, the Purdue baseball team, the last, the first two games of that series, went. the first one went in 11 innings, the second one went in 10. The first one, Purdue loses 2-1. to one. Second one, Purdue shoots themselves in the foot, makes an error, and loses 10-5. to five. And we've talked about it before. They're a young team, and they're going to make freshman and sophomore mistakes. The thing I'm really impressed by, especially in the second game, they fell, or the third game, excuse me, they lost 5-4, to four, but they made four, they, they were down 5-0 heading into the ninth inning, and a lot of their games, even some of their losses, have been dotted with statistics where they have been able to score some late runs. The Michigan win they had last weekend, they won the third game, I believe they won because they scored four runs with two outs in the ninth and so is that I, don't, I take it as a sign of maturation pops is that how you see it is or into the season and maybe other teams Iowa was out of the Big Ten tournament as well are you talking since they beat Purdue or I mean I mean Purdue came back and beat Michigan I, I yeah that's nice but I think probably the last four games I mean Eastern Michigan beating them 20 to 2 I think it's a little kind of eye-opening and then being swept at home against Iowa I think you know you just wonder, did Purdue just, I don't know, just mailing it in and just kind of like a lot of the times teams at the end of the year, they, there's a phrase like they got the cars running and they just want to get out of there. I think you'd like to see them at least win, this, win the home series at least 2-1, to one, but I guess I guess the Michigan win is something to hold to put your hat on, but you know, you'd like to finish the season strong, especially with the young team to set a tone going into off-season workouts. Tyler, any last thoughts since we're wrapping up the season? These were the last games. I'd probably agree with that. They probably just, they were, I, they might have just been tapped out, overdone. I mean, there were four games, but they meant nothing. They were already out of the tournament. This was it. So it might have been a mix of just some players may have wanted it, but other players may have just been playing just to be, just to play, not to tire themselves out and just be like, I'm just going to get through the game and get out of here. I mean, I, I can understand that statement, especially when you look at the Eastern Michigan game, but the first two games in the Iowa series went in extra innings. You're talking 10 and 11 innings, and if it's not going into extras, it would seem to me that the, going into extras would seem to kind of negate that argument that they were just trying to get in and get out. Well, I mean, what we talked about, we're not saying everybody does it, but that could have been 
some some players may have just not may have just lost their motivation to play. I'm not saying all of them did. Fair enough. That's the wrap of the season. A disappointing season, I think everyone would judge it as after the historic season that Purdue had last year. But again, most of the roster freshmen and sophomores, so hopefully they can turn it around with another year of experience under their belts. Before we leave West Lafayette, we're going to move over from Alexander Field to Mackey Arena. Coach Painter last week signed a graduate student from Cornell for the basketball team. Eric Peck is coming to West Lafayette as a graduate student and played is a redshirt, excuse me, is a redshirt senior coming over from Cornell. And last year he's coming off a knee injury. Averaged about 10 points and five rebounds in at uh, 6'6", 224 pounds, and actually played at the same high school as Kelsey Barlow. And some early reports peg him as a kind of Kelsey Barlow type of guy. He, he, it may be a cliche, but he graduated from Cornell, so you'd assume he's a smart guy who's going to pick up Purdue's defense relatively quickly, and he's a career 35% three-point shooter. However, from what I've read as well, he's he's pretty pretty thick guy and can get some rebounds. And so, not that Bird was bad, but unlike DJ Bird, he's not really a set shooter. He's someone that can move around, shoot jump shots, go in towards the hoop. And we've talked about Purdue basketball a little bit. They've kind of been left the wayside since they are in the off season. But what do you think about this signing, Pops? Is it something? I mean, I think everyone would be happy to see them. He's only a one-year eligibility since he's a grad student, so it's nice to get some usefulness out of a scholarship that would otherwise just sit there. But is this something you think the team can actually use? Was it a need? Yes, they need somebody who not who can. Obviously, they need outside jump shooting, but they need guys that could they could get their own shot and also be able to penetrate and get their get to the basket. I think they're sorely lacking that. So if he's able to do that, it adds an, it adds an element that they desperately need. I think it's a roster that's kind of was, frankly, I still think it was a little bit mismatched. But with these maybe these guys leaving, then K, uh, Katie Painter will have an opportunity to kind of at least remake it. I honestly believe that this season is probably I'm not saying he's feeling pressure, but I'm sure that nobody is satisfied with what happened, and I'm sure the goal has to be to get into the Big Ten tournament pretty much yearly. I mean, you could have these seasons where. This happens once in a great while, but generally, if, you, if you're a top team in the conferences, you pretty much should be contending for nearly 20 victories a year and going to the tournament. So to get somebody like this who understands the game, played at Cornell, Ivy League school, I don't think him picking anything out should be difficult. You just hope he can come in and contribute right away because Purdue needs that. Tyler, your thoughts? What are we we talked about this a couple months ago. I think you said you, that you wanted to see him get a a big guy, right? Well, I was saying I would have liked to see them get a four. Like a, a legitimate four, because this guy could, but, you know, he he's a small four. Well, yeah, my 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 statement is, the reason I said that is because Carroll, with Marshuch leaving, it's Hammonds, and then Carroll was able to put together or string together a few successful minutes, but he really he only played seven, eight minutes in a game, and so they don't really have a backup five that they could trust. And Donnie Hale kind of struggled a bit last year, so you have him. And you have Basil Smotherman, who's a forward coming in. He's a freshman. And then you have Jay Simpson, who's coming off the red shirt. And I think Smotherman's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and Simpson, I think, is closer to 6'8". I guess Simpson fits more of the mold of a four, but they're unproven. So I would have liked to see them get somebody who could bang down low to provide some depth. But I think Pops is right. They do need someone who can spread the floor because jump shooting was a kind of a real issue last year. And this guy is is a solid outside shooter. I like him better than I like DJ Bird's Carmel Anthony kind of style of shooting. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. I think 
DJ really struggled with the attention he's getting as kind of a, a, a sit and shoot kind of guy, as opposed to this guy, I think can move around a bit more and that versatility always helps. But I mean, do you, you like the signing? I take it then. Yeah. Well, what is there? They had, they had 12, right? And they could have maximum 15. No, they have, they had, they would have had 13, which is the maximum. And but okay. now he get, makes them 11 for this year. They had three extra spots, and you wanted him to go see him get one guy just for this year because the three guys leaving. Yeah, they so have those open spots. All they right, have, um, as of now, they have five scholarships open for next year because this guy's one year, and then Tyrone and Carroll are seniors. Hmm. All right. I, like, I mean, what's the downfall? I mean, why not bring him on? He's only one year. He got the spot. I don't, I, I don't think there's any negative at all to that. Yeah. He brings some NCAA tournament experience, which is never a bad thing because... You know, this is going to be a young Purdue team. Leaving West Lafayette, though, bumping down south, talk a little bit about the Indians again this week, and they continue to be on a roll. How did they do this past week since we talked about them? I know they continue to play pretty well. They finished out the the series against Toledo by losing, and then they uh, took three out of four at home against Buffalo, and then they took the first game against Pawtucket, and they ended up losing the second game. Where do they stand in uh, the overall standings? They still have the best record in the International League, 31 and 14. They hold a five-game lead in their division. They have at least a one-game one-game lead over Norfolk for the best record in the, in the International League. Have there been uh, any call-ups this from this past week? I know last week you talked about Lariano finally got called up to Pittsburgh. I'm no, I I think this week is this. It, things have been pretty uh, stable. Well, there you go. We'll just touch on it a little bit because we touched on last week. Roster remains most same. They keep winning, so we're giving away a family four-pack of Indians tickets again this week. All you got to do, again, is send a message to the Rocket Facebook page and say, hey, I heard that I can win Indians tickets on the Triple Option podcast, and that enters you for a chance. Staying in Indy, though, we do want to talk about the Pacers. They finally closed out the Knicks series, winning 4-2, to two, and they get Miami, who... I don't think you could say last year they gave them their toughest series because the Celtics were able to push them. But I feel like the Heat were kind of drifting through the playoffs until they ran into Indy. And this Indy team, I think, is a lot better than last year's. So, I guess first starting off, what are your reactions from the Pacers-Knicks series, Tyler? Did George Hill play Game 6? Yeah. I'd say that it was him missing Game 5 was a bigger deal than they tried to let on. But... I'm not sure if it was their defense or just the Knicks couldn't shoot, but they, whatever was the combination, they had it going for them where it just, it seemed like every time Carmelo took a shot, it missed. And I guess you can credit them with their defense and they'll have to be uh, tough on the heat. And I think the, the players they need to go after were Chalmers and Wade because Wade has had knee problems. And if he goes down, that'll really hurt the team. And Chalmers put through them through games where LeBron and Wade were just kind of seemed like mailing it in like it was the a lot of I heard a lot of people saying for the game four Bulls heat game that the only reason they won that in the fourth quarter was because Chalmers and that it just seemed like Wade and and James were just phoning it in that was Norris Cole the Norris Cole yeah I thought I was gonna all right I, I thought I was gonna get him all right Norris he Cole. shot really well Sorry. he no. shot the three ball really well these playoffs which has been huge because uh Battier and Allen have both struggled yeah, take that back. Norris Cole. They need to guard him on the outside. And I think well, I think Paul George could really give uh, LeBron a run for his money by defending him. The Knicks kind of got, well, They that, that's who they match up with. They can't really do anything about it. But the Knicks, the Pacers were pretty much the Knicks 
nightmare matchup because the Knicks love to shoot three-pointers and the Pacers were the best three-point defending team. And then the Knicks already are a jump-shooting team, but Tyson Chandler isn't a offensive five, and then Carmelo plays the four and likes to you know be out and shoot jump shots. So Hibbert pretty much got to dominate the paint on defense, and then Wes is a traditional four, and Hibbert is a traditional five, and so they dominated the post on offense. That's what it happened. And it's a curious matchup for the Heat, just because, you know, the Heat aren't a jump-shooting team. LeBron and Wade can both go to the Cup. And so it'll be interesting. Um, in the playoffs recently, the teams that have been able to give the Heat trouble are teams that are physical and teams that control the boards because you can't give them second opportunities. That seems like what the Pacers can do. Pops, what are your thoughts just on the Pacers-Knicks series and then looking forward to the Heat? Well, I, I think the the Knicks are, especially with Carmelo out there, just one of those teams that, you know, they, they kind of excite their fans during the regular season because it's New York, and, you know, I guess they can win the Atlantic, which is, I don't know, really a big deal, and win maybe 50, 55 games, get the hopes of everybody up, and they get in the playoffs, and I just... Carmelo has done nothing in the playoffs to suggest that he can lead a team to a championship, so I think he's fool's gold, and J.R. Smith, while I think he's very athletic, is a lot in the mold where these those two guys never made a shot they didn't like. Um, I think the Pacers are just a better team. Lance Stevens come up big, 25 points, 10 rebounds, which was completely unexpected. That's nice. Not for sure if they're going to get that from the Heat. No. I think the Heat will win, but if the Pacers can take advantage of having Hibbert and West, and they're going to have to dominate, that's a distinct advantage. I don't think Paul George, while athletic, is is thick enough and strong enough to really to be able to stop LeBron. But I think the key point is how healthy Dwayne Wade is because it was pretty obvious he went into the locker room in Game 5 against the Bulls and, and while it was claimed that he went in to tie his shoe, I, I'm not for sure why you have to go all the way in to, to um, Eric Spolster said he went in to tie his shoe. I'm not for sure if you had to go all the way into your locker room to tie your shoe. I mean, unless there's a professional shoe tire in there. But it's pretty obvious he got a shot in his knee. So this guy, is, is his knee is chronic. And I think if he gets hurt, then that is a major, well, I wouldn't say a major swing, but a big swing. But I think the Heat still have the best player in the league, the best player in the last X amount of years in, in LeBron. And I think he's the great equalizer. And I think this will be probably a, a tough series for the Heat. And I still think the Heat win this in at least six, possibly seven. But... You know, Hibbert has, has got to be. He, I think he's got to have the game of the series of his short playoff career. So does George, and they've got to they've got to rebound, and they've got to at least. The thing about the Heat is the bull, what the Bulls are able to do is they keep people out of the lane, but they kind of give up the open three point shots, and you know you can't stop LeBron. It, I mean, it might they might go the opposite and decide we'll just let LeBron do what he wants and try to guard everybody else. I think this should be an entertaining series, but I think the big thing is the Pacers had them at 2-1, or I think it was 2-1 last year, Heats, and they had Game 4 in Indy, and then the, and the Heat won that. It just seems like the Pacers kind of collapsed. I think, can they get over that mental hurdle? Um, that's the thing with the Heat. Well, I think you could say last year, because they're a relatively young team, that maybe last year was that growing up experience where you got to learn, you got to lose before you can learn to win. As for, I mean, I agree with all your points. I think the the big keys are you got to be able to pack the paint and dominate the board so you can keep the heat to one and done as many times as possible. I I just want to add, do you think that Hibbert could do that, have the series of life? Because I believe 
you know, the big the big storylines of those last couple games with the Knicks, minus game five when George Hill was out and they just the Knicks were able to take advantage, is he's been he's been doing, you know, twenty points, twelve boards. He's had some really big games against Tyson Chandler, who again isn't an offensive center, but is one of the better defensive centers in the league. Well, obviously he's proven that he can having twenty one points, twelve rebounds and five blocks in the final game against the Knicks, but you you know, this is the big stage. I mean, this is the heat. This is for the Eastern Conference Championship and they're going for the NBA Finals. These guys have not been to that level. This is a different, this is a completely different thing. I mean, LeBron's been here several times before. This is the Heat's third consecutive trip to the Eastern Conference Finals on on their way to trying to make three consecutive appearances in the NBA Finals. Obviously, Hibbert has proved he can done it up to this point, but you know, pressure and the ability to deliver in these situations is what divides the really great players from the almost great players. It's, you know, there's just take a look at all the guys that Michael was able, Michael Jordan was able to defeat Malone's, uh, Patrick Ewing's, just guys like that that get, get, get almost, almost get there, Reggie Miller, but they just couldn't get over the hurdle. And and, and, and in that situation, they just didn't have that, that will down there to win. And, 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 it's like the commercial that a Gatorade run turned the uh, All Star game about Michael being sick in the flu game, and it just was that will to win. I mean, that's the thing, and it, may, it might sound clicheic, but I think it's what, frankly, I think it's what LeBron had to find, and he find he found it last year, and I think any any team that wins has got to find that and dig deep, and and that's that's what the the Pacers are up against. Tyler, your thoughts on this whole thing, Heat Pacers? Well, the thought I had was that if the the Heat do win, but the Pacers are able to give them a run for their money, that the Grizzlies and the Spurs both are defensive teams similar to Pacers. So they'll, they'll if they want to beat the Heat, if they do get past them, they'll have to take a long look at that. And that no matter what, the Heat are going to be playing defensive teams this rest of the playoffs. So And that, that has proved to be their problem. So, I don't know. I took I took the Pacers to win. This conference, this uh, play of the series, and I still think they will. I think they'll surprise people. How many games do you have them winning in? Six. I think hey. it was what I went with. Pacers and six. Pops, you get the Heat and... Heat and six, possibly seven, depending upon the health of Dwayne Wade. You know, I I think that the Pacers... The Pacers and Bulls seem really similar to me. I think the one big difference is Derrick Rose is a bona fide superstar, top five player, whatever you want to say it. And that's the big difference because it's, uh, the rest of the team, they have talented pieces on both sides of the ball, and both teams are going to play their hearts out and may not may have the most talent, but they're going to make up with it or make up for it with effort. So I think it'll be a good matchup, but I think the Heat have enough experience and talent to get by it. I kind of I think I had the Heat in six. I I want to say six because I think there pops is right that there's a possibility that the Pacers mentally or whatever you want to say just aren't ready for it the pressure maybe perhaps because this is a new stage for them but i wouldn't be surprised to see it go in seven and then the heat have to win at home which i think they do not to expand on it too much but who do you pick in are you still taking this i mean i think you and i both had the thunder now it's spurs grizzlies who are you taking out of that just out of curiosity um i think i'm gonna take spurs just because i think I, I, well, Memphis has been a very nice story, and they've got, and they have Gasol, and um, what's his name, um, Randolph. Randolph. I, I think the, the Ginobili at times has looked like he was five years ago, 
And I'm pretty. I think you got to be impressed with the fact that the Spurs, who got got kind of blitzed in Game Two against Golden State, and everybody's like, "Oh boy, this is going to be a problem." Basically, shut shut the Golden State down at one and six. And I think their experience, clearly, the the edge and coaching is Popovich. I think the Spurs will play the Heat. Tyler, oh, I still got Spurs. Spurs over Pacers was my original pick, and I'm still taking it. You know, I want to take the Grizzlies just because I think the Grizzlies seem to be the right matchup to be able to beat the Spurs, unless you were just flat out. I think Golden State, with some more experience, could have done it because I think the only other way, and let you got to be able to beat the Spurs at their own game, or you got to be able to take them out of them by being good enough and experienced enough to just be able to run them up and down since they're an older team. But I just I think Pops is right. I think the Spurs' experience of Duncan and you know uh, Ginobili and Parker. Combined with Popovich, who's arguably one of the best coaches ever in the NBA, is just too much. I think I'd say I think I'd say Heat and Spurs. It'd be nice to see him win again. Finally, finally get Duncan and I guess Parker and Popovich get the possibly I think probably possibly Duncan's last ring. Although Parker, I think could still play. I mean, I don't mind it. I don't have a problem with them. They're they're the class. They're probably the class of organizations in the NBA. Well, one thing I thought today. Was that out of the uh, the playoffs, three of the four teams—the Pacers, the Grizzlies, and the Spurs—are all small markets. And for everybody who thinks that you need to be big market for sports like this, those three are relatively small. Well, yeah, I mean, especially you... the uh, no, like I guess you call the big markets in the West would be uh, Lakers, maybe the Thunder. Nah, well, pops, would you consider the Thunder? Thunder got to be small market, right? Oklahoma City well, starting to get kind of big very market. small, but I don't, I don't know if the market size really means anything as much as it does in baseball. But I think, I think it would be nice to see San Antonio win because they've been so damn consistent. I think I've heard a couple stats in twenty-one of the last twenty-four years they've been over five hundred. Seventeen out of the last twenty-four years they've won sixty percent of their games. They've been to the conference finals eight times under Popovich, and they've gone to the finals four and won all four. I mean, no team in the NBA has a, a history or a run like that, maybe since the Celtics in in the 50s and the 60s under Red Auerbach. And I think that Popovich arguably has to be considered among the greatest coaches ever. I've always liked Manu, Manu Ginobili. Duncan, who who is not flashy, is just constant. And they keep kind of remaking themselves when when people come and go. And I and I think they're the to me they're the epitome of team. I mean, you know, people know Duncan because he's been around so long at Ginobili and Parker, but, I mean, they got a bunch of other the other guys that are pretty un, unsung. So, I mean, I can't say that I'm a big Heat fan because I'm not. I can't say I'm a big Spurs fan, but I think it would be neat to kind of honor that, that run that Duncan has had and Popovich by seeing them go out or not. I, I'd like I'd say go out because I can't imagine they're going to be able to keep to put this together any any longer because those guys have got a lot of miles on their on them with these playoff runs, but it'd be nice to see them win one more. Yeah, I mean, they're, I think that's what it was. Pop said they're the definition of consistency in class. I've never had a problem with the organization. I mean, they, I don't think they really ever had personnel that are troublemakers or anything like that. They're just classy and business and they get it done. I mean, it's, I can't argue with you guys. All right, well, there you go. You get a little bit of bonus coverage there on the NBA playoffs, possible final picks and previews. And that's going to wrap it up this week, talking about Purdue basketball and baseball and the Indians and the Pacers. We're going to follow the Pacers as long as they stick around. Hopefully they can make a long run. I don't, we're not, we're Bulls fans, so we're kind of indifferent, but it'd be nice to see them make a run with the Bulls out. So we'll follow them as long as possible. Of course, we'll be following the Indians all summer while they're in the regular season and keeping tabs on anything and everything we can. Purdue Athletics, 
Make sure to check out the website, post some articles related to this stuff as well. Got a Pacers and Purdue basketball article up detailing as well what we just talked about. And so we got a Twitter account also tweeting anything we can find interesting. And that's going to wrap it up for this week. So we'll be back with more Indians and hopefully Purdue news, good news, when we are. So for the triple option, I'm Blair Gunther. Daryl Gunther. Tyler Gunther. We'll catch you next time.